I went to a marvelous party. Christopher, this is only going to work if we speak one at a time. Fine, you first, Eric. Sunset Strip in beautiful West Hollywood, California. It's the Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn, the Internet's first live comedy variety show. Featuring special correspondence from the worlds of entertainment, politics, and lousy relationships. Everyone gets served. Tonight's live cast is streaming to you through the dinnerpartyshow.com with your hosts, New York Times best-selling novelists Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Good evening, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you're listening to the May 19th, May 19th. 2013 live cast of easy the for you Dinner Party Show. No, it isn't, apparently. And tonight, we will not be talking about the insane death threat against Hillary Clinton made by a grasping, desperate, Ugh. bloodthirsty lunatic who, by the way, is calling himself a right-wing radio talk show host, oh. even though he just streams his invective over the internet and doesn't even have, like, a real radio show okay. that whoa, we whoa, should... whoa, 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 Careful there, Sparky. Oh, yeah. Let's move on, shall we? Okay. We will also not be talking about Bill Hader's departure from SNL. Mm -mm. We love Bill in general and Stefan in particular, and we cannot stop talking about his rom-com, Runaway Bride, Mm -hmm. Anderson Cooper, DJ Baby Bok Choy wedding finale. Mm -hmm. We just are too upset to talk about his departure. Indeed, indeed, indeed. We will also not be talking about the advice, in air quotes, televangelist Pat Robertson gave to a viewer who asked him how she could forgive her husband for cheating on her. We will not be discussing Robertson's claim that even in the face of spousal Fidelity, it remains the woman's job to focus on the positive and make sure the home is enticing. Hey, look, ladies, it could be worse. You could be married to Robertson, a guy who spends most of his career talking about men who have sex with other men. Has he met Jonelle? We'll see. Anyway, we will also have no interest in discussing how the president is mired in controversy and scandal. And apparently, we're in the majority. Mm -hmm. Despite the press's refusal to get off this narrative, new polling shows that the president's approval rating is unchanged from right after his decisive re-election victory. So, Congress, perhaps it's time for a relaxing cup of shut the fuck up before you get your obstructionist asses back to work and quit fake repealing Obamacare. Mm -hmm. We don't care about any of this shit, and the midterms are just a little over 18 months away. Can you say Monica Lewinsky? Mm -hmm. It's two terms, kids. Now get to work and start polishing that resume. There's a country that needs running. Indeed. We will not be discussing tanning mom. Oh, Ever. God. For any reason. Good. We will also not be discussing facelifting dad, liposuctioning daughter, and chemical peeling son. Granted, Ew. these people don't exist yet, but just in case they pop up eventually, we thought we'd get the disclaimer out of the way now. Good thinking. Mm-hmm. Lastly, we will not talk about Angelina Jolie's top secret double mastectomy. We think that her choice was brave and 
a personal one. We think that her story will save countless lives by calling attention to the BRCA1 gene testing as an early indicator for breast cancer. If you've got any family history of breast cancer, get tested. We even applaud Angelina for getting the news out there and wish her a speedy and thorough recovery. But Angie, honey, if you're trying to keep something a secret, ixnay on the whole writing and publishing a New York Times op-ed thing. Despite a precipitous decline in circulation, that's still not a good place to keep your personal life on the down low. But we've got your back, girl. We'll keep your secret. Everything else is still on the table. Tonight's Dinner Party Show. Tonight, the Dinner Party Show begins with a provocation from Father Gammon, the pastor at Our Lady of the Pearls. I'd like to speak with you tonight about the parable of the young ass. We are all familiar, I trust, with the story of the youthful ass who felt ignored on the farm and so made his way to the house of God, where he'd heard all were welcome. Upon arriving at the temple, the young country ass found the door shut to him. But a kindly priest was able to see that while inexperienced, there was more to this ass than met the eye. The priest took the ass in hand and in time was able to put his finger on just what the young ass had to offer and to tease out the best that that young ass could be. But it came to pass that after all the time, attention, and energy that priest had put into that young ass, his protege heard another call. The young ass returned to the field from whence he came and renounced the church and all that he'd been taught at the feet of the priest, by his example turning other young asses away from the church. So from this parable, we learn three things. First, we can see that you have a filthy mind. Don't deny that you do. This is not Father Gammon's first time in the pulpit. Secondly, we learn that not all priests are pedophiles, goddammit, and stop saying it. You were the ones thinking bad thoughts about young ass. I was just telling a story. And last, we can see that not every ass is worth saving. Good day to you. I said good day. What a charming man. I love Father Gammon. He just cuts right to it. He's like the Irish always are. Yeah, that's that's what the <laughs> Irish are. Very direct. We're a very direct people. We are. The Irish actually invented guilt, but we're so good at it, we made the Jewish people feel responsible. Absolutely. And I repeat that line all the time and never credit you properly, only if you're <laughs> yes. not at the party. That's the kind of thief you that's are. That's the kind of thief I am. Welcome back to the Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice, and this man next to me is Eric Shaw Quinn. Hi. Still. I don't need to say my name because Christopher <laughs> is saying it for me today. I'll just point at him like this. Eric Shaw Quinn. See, I just pointed at him and he just said my name. That's the new deal here Absolutely. tonight at the Dinner Party Show. And, and tonight, you're the guest. Yes, tonight is another episode of You're the Guest here at the Dinner Party Show. Because we can't get enough of you. We really can't. And we're so sick of high-maintenance celebrities with their big demands. Insert joke about Anne Rice here. Because it competes with our high-maintenance big demands. <laughs> <laughs> It really does. Somebody put in a tea order when we were already live on the air that earlier was, tonight. That, that was exciting. Me. The that door popped me. open. In came our manservant. Well, Not Shea else? Butters. He's on the Facebook page how right now. How else will I uh, do, hold up my end on the drinking game of every time I go to the bathroom? I, absolutely. I have to drink a lot of tea, so we have to keep my <clears> cup full at all times or people won't get to drink during the show. And the show is much funnier if it everybody really is. is getting a shot every so often. It really is. And apparently our listeners, our party people, as we have come to call them, are also drinking. They have a drinking game running where they they drink every time I make a story about me. Which, which has is already happened. Uh, uh, it's, uh, is it? Has it? Well, no. 
<laughs> Already? I, you're the one that ordered tea. Yeah. I made it about you. Anyway, okay, so they're already drinking because it's happened already. Um, and then the other one was when you say something crazy in sort of Old South, I think. It was oh, some yeah? expression. Yeah, I don't know, like land. Oh, I don't know that one. High cockalorum. What, which, yeah, which, yeah, which one is that? I don't know this drink. I don't game. know. We'll ask I thought you. it was every time I went to the bathroom. That's it. Every time you went to the bathroom. But we both go to the oh bathroom. Oh, my God, were you plenty. even listening to me? That was what I was just saying. <laughs> No, I wasn't listening. I'm sorry. Do you listen to the show at all, <laughs> no. Christopher? You no, should I'll put your you, headphones I'll on. I'll tell you what. No, I listen to the show all the time, and I have a wireless speaker that allows me to listen to it in the shower. And every time I get in the shower and a, and a good distance away from being able to control the speaker, our goddamn technical promo starts playing, which is three minutes of us answering every technical question we've ever gotten for a listener. It happens in the middle of the show. You'll be treated to it tonight. But then I'm stuck in the shower, not hearing. Eric Shaw Quinn's witty banter, for instance, listening to our announcements about our Twitter. Christopher Rice talks trash about our show. (laughs) Thanks, Christopher. Anything else about our show that you hate? (laughs) No, it's just the speaker in the shower. (laughs) Anyway, we have a lot to talk about tonight, but we also. Most of it's about how much we hate the show. Most of it is about how subpar we feel our own work is. Right. Um, Breck Artery is back this week. Oh, thank God. I really missed him. Yeah, he's got a report tonight. We've got a special announcement about our Facebook page and the people on it. Really? Yeah, and we've also. We have a lot of listener-suggested stories to talk about. There's a lot of outrage out there over a Texas judge's decision regarding a lesbian couple. No, yeah. that really is quite the story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, lots to talk about there. And you've got a lot to say about what's going Everything. on with our president. Pick anything, and I have a lot to say about it. Absolutely. So for now, we're going to go to a report from Breck Artery, and then we'll be back here on the Dinner Party Show with the hors d'oeuvre. We take you now to Breck Artery, live from the world headquarters of students for more active and responsive teachers. Smart. Located in the old band storage room at Millard Fillmore High School in Blanche, Texas. What exactly is Smart, Breck? Breck Artery, live from Smart Headquarters. To answer your question, the Smart organization was inspired by the semi-literate words of high school student Jeff Bliss in a much-watched YouTube video. Chapters of SMART are springing up at marginal high schools in edge cities everywhere. Bliss, who was so repressed and uninspired by the instructor in his World History Survey course that he was able to film a YouTube video in the classroom in which he vigorously and passionately blames his teacher for not inspiring him to be more passionate and inspired. And if you would like, I'll teach you a little more so you can actually learn how to teach a freaking class. Because since I got here, I've done nothing but go. read packets, go. so don't try and take credibility for teaching right, me jack. Just go. Bye. Amazingly, the teacher has been disciplined, and Jeff has become a folk hero in the vein of Antoine Dodson, whose impassioned pleas for law and order have probably made a huge difference in whatever city that he was from, though clearly it did more for Antoine. Not Biebermore, but better than where that hapless news crew first found him. Had your kids, had your wife, and had your husband because they raping everybody out here. You get the idea. We're speaking today with Randy Sue Spivey, president of the Millard Fillmore chapter of SMART, the first of many such chapters inspired by Mr. Bliss. Randy Sue, what is your takeaway from Mr. Bliss's YouTube remarks on education? Okay, we at SMART think that teachers are what's holding students backward from their greaterness, and we give full credibility to Jeff Bliss for speaking truth to 
teachers about how we could be doing better in school if we were having more fun. I see. So, Randy, how do you and SMART propose to improve the classroom so that you are better able to learn and be the hope for the future of Mr. Bliss's country? Well, Mr. Hardery, we think the teachers uh, should use more music and animation in the classroom to get our attention. I mean, why would I want to look up from the television, video games, and streaming movies available to me on my iPad, my laptop, or my smartphone and learn anything if what's happening in the classroom is not at least as interesting as, say, American Idol or Call of Duty. That sounds exciting, Randy. What kind of money have you been able to raise to bring these sorts of changes into the classroom? Money? This isn't about money. Well, uh, Randy, you, you realize that hundreds of millions of dollars go into the development and production of those kinds of projects. Oh, man, that's so uninformational of you. You can totally get Call of Duty at Walmart for 50 bucks, and American Idol is free. Well... That's not exactly true, Randy, but yeah, even so, to develop an animated interactive classroom experience to equal, say, Call of Duty that also taught you world history would be very expensive. This is the unfortunance of news people. You insist on facts over truths. Like Jeff's teacher, you just hand out uninteresting packets of information and expect people to know more things. This is my country that you're not working harder to make better for me. So you think it's my responsibility to make sure there is a more informed electorate? Electorates are for politicals. No one votes for the news. Politicals run for United States kinds of jobs. Well, that's an interesting insight, Randy. Uh, what exactly does SMART do. Mostly we make and post YouTube videos demanding that people do more to make our country and our learning better for us so that we can like know stuff righter than we do. And we want to ban packets from all classrooms everywhere. How do you think the teachers should provide information? Graphic novels would be cool. And aside from the pictures, how would handing you those be different than handing you packets of information? You just don't Get it? That's what's wrong with this country. I learn more from Twitter and YouTube than I ever learned in a school. I give YouTube full credibility for all that I know today. I couldn't have said it better myself. Until next time, this is Breck Artery wishing you good night and good dinner. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The Dinner Party Show will be the judge of that. Welcome back to What Is Christopher's Mother <laughs> Saying on Facebook? What is she saying on Facebook? And she apparently thinks that uh, you should sing. Apparently, I don't know, but for whatever reason, that last musical number reminded her <laughs> of your singing voice. Twisted Sister always makes my mother think of my community theater experience. It must be that fright wig. It must be, and the makeup, I would assume, too. Uh, I'm not going to be singing anytime soon, but we have been talking about how little we care about Eurovision here at the dinner party show. Doctor, doctor, I, I think I have Eurovision. <laughs> Take these drops and go on YouTube <laughs> and watch all of the Polish entries. Love. I can watch those videos for hours. They're just uh -huh. 
like otherworldly. Do you just search for Eurovision or do you, you look for certain countries? You just do Eurovision, yeah. And then they're just okay. these sort of random whatever and you click on whichever ones have the most outrageous costumes. I see. We have a European employee or we have an American employee with, who speaks with an English accent here at the <laughs> dinner party show. <laughs> And it's his birthday today. Euro American. And he is our Eurovision representative. And he was in earlier trying to convince us that Eurovision is important <laughs> by calling the names of all of these has been acts that we'd never heard of. He well, like, so and so from yeah, Nelly for Lalila, old wh- hack, <laughs> got her big start on on Eurovision. We were like, who the Wait hell's that? Old hack in Polish means beautiful singer. <laughs> no, Abba. Old hack. Abba was the last famous act. That got their start in Eurovision. Now, if we're wrong, party people, if we're wrong, party people, tell us. Speaking of our Facebook page, very important announcement to make. Oh, yeah, it was a big A lot of people helped us get to this point. We want to thank you. It's You Appreciation Day. We have crossed 10,000 likes on Facebook. Yay! And the party is breaking out around here. Absolutely. We want to thank everybody who clicked like on our page <laughs> and maybe or maybe not listening to the show. We have no idea, but you're getting our constant Facebook updates and all of that good stuff. And this is the song that we played to celebrate on the page when we crossed the 10,000 likes mark earlier this week. And what brought us to the 10,000 mark was our win-a-phone call with Anne Rice competition. So if you haven't entered, the competition is still going on. But be mindful, if you didn't... If you didn't fill in your um, email address, you're not actually entered in the competition. If Absolutely. you're not on the guest list, we call it the party people guest list, then you are not registered to win yet. So you have to be on the uh, – you can go through the app or you can just go to the webpage and just register. Absolutely. And the app, for those of you who are curious, because the app is a confusing term, it's not something that you're going to find on your phone. In fact, uh, you're not able to join via your phone currently. You have to go to Facebook on a desktop computer, and the app will be found at the upper right-hand corner of the screen, and it says, win a phone call from Anne Rice. And the contest is ongoing because the entries have not slowed one bit. So, so yeah, if you haven't entered, you can't, you can't, uh, what is it? You can't win if you don't play. It's Absolutely. Powerball <laughs> fever this weekend here. Did anybody win? Have you heard? I, I have no, no. If I think not, they say heard. it's going to be like a billion dollars next week. I might actually have to go find where you buy one of these tickets. I know. Win a billion dollars. Well, uh, but that's a lot of billions. Right? No, it's one billion, isn't it's it? It's just the one, yeah. yeah. But it's a lot of millions. Okay, we have, hundred. Um, I think. currently I'm thousand. being told by Shay Butters, we're up to 10,406 likes on our Facebook. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. And remember, sign up for that mailing list. Absolutely. And revised rules for the dinner party show drinking game for our party people. They drink when Eric Shaw Quinn takes a bathroom break. They drink when Chris says it's all about me. I never say that. They also no, drink. You just imply it. You're much more <laughs> subtle than that. I thought it was all through movement. I'm so shocked they can yeah. pick up on it in it's, the audience. Yeah, it's like an interpretive dance. It's like Kabuki for the radio. <laughs> kabuki radio. And leading us to the last thing that makes them drink, when either one of us, quote, giggles. First of all, I giggle incessantly. Eric Shaw Quinn has never giggled in his life. I don't know. Maybe I do. Do I, do I really you. giggle? No. I, I, don't, I don't think my laugh has been described as a giggle since I was like six. Yeah. I got this voice when I was about eight years old. <laughs> 
It frightened people. My parents moved to it into a separate house. They actually <laughs> lived in an outbuilding. They were afraid <laughs> to be in the same house with an eight-year-old with this voice. Yeah, and and you were a very sophisticated, mature eight-year-old who, by your own telling, says you just wanted to sit around and have coffee and talk about what everybody was up to. Right. Yes. Philosophical things. Yeah. Have a discussion. I. They did that thing where they tried to. Everybody smoked back in the day, and they did that thing where they tried to get me to not want to smoke by having me smoke a whole cigarette when I was a kid, and I loved it. <laughs> I asked for another one, and they were like, okay, that didn't work. Get out. Get out, yeah. and no, don't smoke or we'll kill you. Well, as a former smoker, since this is all about me. Right? Uh, See, back to Christopher. Because that last story was about Eric's spiritual connection. Yeah, anyway, that's not the drinking game. Yeah, I know, right? And they want to drink. We know. If I, if I had to listen to our whole show, I would want to drink, too. Uh, the uh, I was caught smoking by <laughs> my mother. Another shitty thing about the show. I'm would gonna, you stop picking on our show? That's a new thing for the drinking game. Whenever I say something shitty or, in air quotes, self-deprecating about the dinner party show, somebody can take a drink. Oh, uh, What do they call it? The the. the Brag, fake brag. Humble brag. Humble bragging. Humble bragging. Uh, I'm the king of humble bragging. But this story about me being a smoker. <laughs> Meanwhile, my back mother to Christopher. found out and called my friend at the time on the phone and said, Is Christopher smoking? And my friend's response was, Right now? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I could call him and ask. Absolutely. Uh, you have a lot to say, period. Always. But you have a lot to say about the news this week. Hopefully not stuff that we ruled out in our not report. I have a lot to say about the news all the time. Okay. We're not going to talk about Benghazi. That's not, that's off the table because nothing actually happened. But there are some other quote-unquote scandals that you would like to address. Well, I think there's some real stories there. There's the, uh, the AP mm -hmm. story, the story about the, um, the Justice Department— requisitioning, I'm not sure exactly what the correct legal term is, all of the phone records for a number of really busy AP offices to try and figure out who the... Are, are we going to have this discussion now? Well, we're going to tease it. We're going to... We have a oh, lot right. to talk about. We're, we're just gonna... teasing it. So we want to talk about the AP, the Justice Department right. AP phone... Uh, it isn't hacking. It's the phone in, in, you know... It's the leak scandal. It's the, the leak, leak scandal. scandal. Well, I think that's the story is right. the leak scandal, but I, but that's not what's being uh, talked about in the news. And then there's the other misdirection story, which is the IRS scandal. They keep talking about one thing, and but I think there's a bigger scandal that nobody seems to be mentioning. So we want to also yeah. talk about that as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. We want to talk about a, another little project I'm going to start here. I talk about my cats all the time on, on the uh, dinner oh, party show. just all the and time. And so we're going to Period. start the... Uh, wait a minute. Wait. What's happening? What's happening? Oh, oh, oh no. No, no. For right now. no. No, no. No, not the restless leg dancers. We talked about we, this. Shay. Shay. What, how did they get back in here? Oh, my God. That cat. Why do they always bring a cat with them? I think it's... I think it's maybe Billy's. Oh. Wait, stop. No, no, I just bought that. God. No. God, I They're your friends. Really? I thought it was a good idea at the time. Let's go. Get under the table. Oh. Get out. Let's just go. We're going to commercial. Oh, We're going God. to commercial. Oh. oh, my God. Ow. This fall on Out of the Box TV, a new cable station. Critics are hailing as devoted exclusively to shows about people who are entirely out of their minds. It's another rule-breaking tale of a rule-breaking rogue with a really fucked-up past. Evening, Sammy. Evening yourself, pal. What brings you back to Red Face Gulch after all these years? 
Well, if you haven't heard, my father sold bath salts to children and my brother was run over by a locomotive while trying to escape his murderous ex-wife. Yeah, yeah, I know all that. But what are you doing back in town? Well, in case you didn't know, my sister shot up the post office because she needed money for baby formula after her husband oh. left her because their daughter was born without elbow. I know all this, for Christ's sake. Still... What are you doing back? Also, my mother was a prostitute who killed and ate most of her customers during one long night of zombie oh. bloodlust. Oh my God, enough with the backstory. What are you doing back in this town? How about I keep my motives a secret till the end of the season? Well, that shouldn't be too bad. It's cable, so our season's only about five episodes long. This fall, it's another uncompromising series about another uncompromising hero with a sullen expression and a really fucked up hat. It's sort of like a western, only there's gonna be a bunch of crystal meth. And actresses you used to love from shows like Lassie and Little House on the Prairie will do cameos as trash-talking hookers and heavyset child murderers. It's Redempta Murder Rectify this fall on that cable station you didn't realize you were subscribed to. You know, the one that used to do shows about old cars. What I want is redemption. Yeah, but from what? Don't know yet, but I'm sure it'll involve some crazy preacher. The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Soup's on. And now it's time for astrological advice from Twan, Queen of the Stars. Hey, Twan, Queen of the Stars here with the real dirt on what the constellations are up to and how you can read the signs before they read you. If it looks like a goat and smells like a goat, it must be Aries. Throw away your thinking caps. Thanks to Mercury's Gemini transit through month's end, you'll be firing on all synapses and problems that used to baffle you will be child's play. Which is not to say that you'll be childish. We'll leave that to Libra, who takes every little thing personally, like Pisces was even talking about you. It was a joke. Maybe if Libra can get over himself, he can join the rest of us in the coming weeks as we leap from one subject to the next, embracing new thoughts and ideas and startling ourselves and those around us with our original conclusions. Like figuring out that everything is not about you, Libra. It's not rocket science, but add it up and figure it out. Or you can just go on with that silent treatment. Meanwhile, the rest of us will be enjoying Mercury's little shot of genius espresso as you nurse your bitter cup of decaf buzzkill. So, while Libra stews, you'll be the life of all the May parties with plenty to say and all of it fascinating, none of it about Libra. Your flying fingers will make your arts and crafts projects shine, and your mental dexterity will make you a force to be reckoned with at games, crosswords, or secret codes. In short, you'll be as interested as you are interesting this month. So enjoy it, unless you'd rather sulk, Libra. Either way, one thing is for sure, Mercury and Gemini and this month will be over on the 31st, however you choose to spend it. Till next time, this is Twan reminding you to watch out for the stars.
listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for The Soup, brought to you by your perpetually victimized gay brother. I will have you know that I am writing a play about all of you. The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. Well, after that, my mom called in to see to find out when I would be singing on the show. <laughs> right after my hair went overdose, Mom. <laughs> I want to apologize to Mom. I did not wish her a happy Mother's Day last you Sunday. You totally when I was on did it, and I called you after the show and it told was, you you didn't. It was such a Hillary Swank moment. <laughs> I hate to be linked with that. Okay. No talent cow. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just not a Hillary Swank fan. You really aren't, but this is about your mom. I know. Part of the drinking game will be how many stories you turn into your hatred of Hillary Swank. Right. Um, also, I'm now laughing nervously because I don't think I giggle either. And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> Eric Shaw Quinn right? is so witty. And he's sitting here with his <laughs> knees very far apart. Don't break the fourth wall. Tossing a football. Okay. Also, I'm being told that there there is a proposed new rule to the Dinner party show drinking game. They want to drink whenever they hear the chimes, which I think is bullshit. Drinks and are on cheating, us. But you know what? Drinks are on us. Drink up, Drink kids. Up. Oh, here's another one. Here's the martini. Make it a double. Absolutely. Keep drinking. Keep drinking. I hear that stuff in my sleep. We want to talk about the the non scandals. That was the plan. The non scandals. Is that what Shark you want Quinn? to talk yeah, about? Is right? The non scandals. Yeah, I just I or I think it's really the wrong scandals. Okay. Like, I think that there is a scandal. The IRS thing, I think, is really an interesting sort of story. There's been an ongoing, you know, there's a long tradition of people using the IRS to um, persecute people. Mm -hmm. Uh, Nixonian, people are calling it. I, I think for any, I think... Anybody who refers to our current presidential scandal situation as in any way being like Richard Nixon or Mm -hmm. Nixonian Mm -hmm. um, clearly is not old enough or is old enough and has become senile and can no longer remember what that actually means. Mm -hmm. Nixon was a really terrible, terrible, dark place in our history and this in no way compares to that. But what is happening is – the thing that is that is underlying the current discussion is that the 501c um, is that the IRS has actively been violating the law about 501c's for nearly 50 years, maybe How longer. So? How so? Well, the law says that 501c's, which are – I think I'm using – calling the right letters – are tax-exempt organizations – have to be entirely devoted, all of their work, the, the law actually uses the word entirely devoted to the public welfare. So it all has mm-hmm. to be all about good works. It doesn't say part-time or sometimes, and it's not open to discussion, and it can in no way be political. So for any organization to have a political tie and claim tax exempt status is actually illegal. Mm-hmm. And the IRS should shut them all down, which would be fine with me. I think people should not be able to donate politically in an anonymous way. And I think that political organizations should not be enjoying the same tax I exempt didn't status. I not know this was even possible. That's actually the law. And that's what the IRS has been doing 
for 50 years now, not just recently. And that, to me, is a scandal. That's the thing that ought to be being pursued by Congress. Congress passed the law. Congress was not unspecific about it. In the 50s, Congress was not unspecific about it, said, you know, it absolutely must be entirely devoted to the public good. So what we keep talking about is like the president, you know, and his evil uh, right. minions are, have been using it to persecute. Like, I think it is very ironical if you name your organization the organization to stamp out those miserable bastards who collect our taxes, <laughs> and then you're surprised <laughs> that the tax people actually look into whether or not you're a right. valid tax-exempt group, you might want to consider changing your name. Tea Party, the Tea Party was about tax rebellion. Why right. wouldn't the, I'm not saying it's okay, and I I don't think politi- politics should be used. I think that whether or not you're entirely devoted to public welfare or not should be used um, as the yardstick. And I would also point out that the only group that was actually yes. denied um, their tax-exempt status was a Democratic group, right. not crazy none of the Tea Party. And this giant scandal— 75. There were 75 organizations that we're talking about here. Right. That's right. how big this and far-reaching this huge scandal is. I don't know that – I think that the president is maybe being disingenuous when he says that he heard about this on the evening news. Like yeah. the president sits around watching the evening news with the rest of us. Right. I think that's a little – Maybe insulting to my mm-hmm. intelligence. Yeah, he's totally watching The Walking Dead. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. With Sasha and Malia. Right. Yeah. And he gets the episodes way ahead of everybody totally. else. Totally. Completely knows totally. How, who's going to die before anybody else does. Right. Um, but but that to me is the only thing that's really going on there. Okay. I just think it is – I think that the, the media has found a narrative. This is like Nixon. This is this big scandal that they have been spoon-fed by the obstructionists in Congress who don't want to do their job. Well, and so they're yeah. running with it rather than reporting what seems to me to be the actual story. I think there is a scandal here. I just don't think it has anything to do with the president. Well, there's also an element to it. When you were speaking, you reminded me of a documentary I watched called The Hunting of the President, which was about the Clinton impeachment scandals. And they were interviewing a journalist who said that, okay, so let's say 70%, oh shit, I set myself up for a math failure again. 70% of that scandal was partisan politics. It was a desire to get Clinton. And the other 30%? Wow! Yay! I'm giggling. Give yourself some... I'm giggling. Everybody have a drink. (laughs) Everybody Everybody drink drink to Christopher. He got that right. And the other 30% of that scandal was the aspiration of journalists to find their own Watergate. Absolutely. They I were mean, it was all a big di- deal. because it and it was it was professional ambition as opposed to or meets with partisan politics. You know, and I think that's something to consider here too, the scandal desperation of the media. And I think that leads us right into our next scandal. Absolutely, which we will get to right after this break for the technical promo that I poo-pooed earlier. Which is really very helpful. It's really very helpful But if you're looking for apparently you can get a shower in the time that you it really takes can. to listen to this. So if you need a shower, this is your this is a good time to do that. Absolutely.
You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. We've made every effort to make sure you can access our show for free across a variety of platforms. We debut a live show every Sunday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the player at our website, www.thedinnerpartyshow.com. This same stream can be accessed via our free mobile apps for Apple and Android devices, so you don't have to be in front of your computer to join the party. We're on for 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That's right. If you miss the live show, we replay it continuously throughout the week until a new show debuts the following Sunday at the same time. Our free mobile apps keep you connected to these encore presentations as well. We interact with our live listeners through our Facebook page, so if you'd like to ask a question of a guest or have us respond to your comment, make sure you've liked the page for The Dinner Party Show on Facebook. Our SoundCloud profile is where we feature reports from our special correspondents. You can access all of our social media platforms by visiting the links at the top left-hand side of our website, thedinnerpartyshow.com. They're located right next to the player. YouTube is where we post backstage video, and Twitter is where we spotlight quotes from the show and breaking dinner party show news, including announcements about upcoming guests and special episodes. For our podcast listeners, a complete unedited podcast of the entire show posts to iTunes the day after the episode debuts. We also have a show archive on our website, which allows you to stream or download complete episodes. Our production quality is high, and so, rather than compressing the sound file and sacrificing quality for our non-live listeners, we break our podcasts into four bite-sized servings. For our iTunes subscribers, if you'd like to have entire episodes downloaded automatically, make sure you've checked the setting Get All Episodes. Episodes. Otherwise, only the first serving will download automatically. At the risk of turning our entire show into a series of technical announcements, we're going to shut up now and get back to the live cast already in progress. I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And I'm Christopher Rice. And we've taken away all your technical excuses not to listen to the dinner party show. Time for Eric's rash pronouncement of the week. People who want to save government by destroying it are not patriots, they're domestic terrorists. This has been Eric's rash pronouncement of the week. And we're back with... We're back. Scandal Part 2. Scandal Part 2. All right, Eric. The second scandal, the Benghazi one, we're not counting we're not because everybody knows exactly what happened. Nobody's ever been kidding about how it happened. And the continuing effort to not do their jobs and talk about Benghazi instead is mm-hmm. sort of like having another vote to repeal Obamacare. It's just wasting time. Back and to the media thing. The, the real scandal about Benghazi currently is that it looks like emails that were quote unquote leaked to the press were in fact doctored to make it sound like the uh, White House had said things that it hadn't actually said. And that leads us once again back to my favorite take on this next scandal was actually on Rachel Maddow this week. I don't know how many of you out there watch Rachel. I'm a big fan. I love Rachel. But there's been a there. The, we, we talked about it earlier that the Justice Department, in an effort to locate a leak who identified basically that we had um, – Somebody embedded in the Yemeni chapter of Al Qaeda, which endangers somebody's life and 
shuts down a really incredibly valuable high-level security um, feed to keep people safe. Literally kept a plane from getting blown up because we found out through this guy. The reason in, – in order to find that, the Justice Department – in a zealous, maybe overreach, we'll see. We'll let everybody decide. I think there should it should be investigated, asked for, and received the phone records of five or six offices of the AP who broke the story. Okay, that that happened. But people are going insane. I think we are seeing. Forgive me. I think we are seeing the equivalent of the gun rights people on Second Amendment reacting to First Amendment here. Mm-hmm. Rachel went bananas in the first segment on her show and really like stepped up to the pulpit and started preaching mm-hmm. about um her feelings that this that the government had literally destroyed the media's ability to investigate and I think that the media should happen in an unfettered and I'm a big believer in the free press here we sit you know, I'm a big believer shooting in the free off press our mouths, shooting yeah. off our big fat mouths and I think that we have the right to do that and I also think that the government has the right and the need to keep some of the stuff that they do secret. I think as – I don't know. One of the – as the White House officials said, the country was less safe as a result of this leak and they need to – people in the government sign agreements saying, mm-hmm. you know, I will not leak anyway. So Rachel has this complete fit about um, – God bless her – about uh, how the uh, – the, the subpoenas how they, happened. The yeah. subpoenas happened right. and how they got this stuff and how it's really bad and the, the press should just be allowed to investigate anything they want, anytime they want. Sort of like the gun rights people say they should be able to buy any gun they want, anytime they want. Mm. And then in the next segment, which was on the IRS story, she was scandalized that a media outlet was able to receive confidential tax information from a government agency by mm. simply requesting it. Wasn't it horrible that people were printing uh, confidential information in the press that they had gotten from the government without mm. – and it was like, well – Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yeah. And she did it completely without irony. I don't know if she ever recognized it, but I was actually laughing out loud. I love Rachel. I absolutely believe in the freedom of the press. I think that's about freedom of speech. I don't think it means that you get access to everything. If there's a murder investigation going on and there, where do you think the murderer is hiding? And what can you tell us about all of your investigation so that the murderer can listen to this radio report and get away from you? Well, people talked about this on 9-11 where it's let's all talk about where our heads of state are as we're being Attacked. Let's right. speculate on the airwaves about where the commander in chief is as the terrorists are, you know, turning airplanes into missiles. Right. It was. I just do, think sometimes yeah. you have to keep some stuff secret. And I think that the press should constantly be investigating to find it out. But I think that the government gets to keep stuff secret. I think uh, Julian Assange should actually go to jail. I think publishing all of those mm-hmm. private emails from our diplomats did not help anybody. I don't think right. it helps for private email. I think that's an invasion of privacy and I think that should be prosecuted and mm-hmm. I think that the soldier the, the Bradley who, leaked, Manning. who yeah. leaked stuff I think that's actually a criminal act I think sometimes we make those choices that we feel strongly enough that we're willing to break the law and I support him in that but it's still a law and he still broke it and I think he should still be prosecuted for it I, I just think that there are two sides to the issue and in just the same way that I don't think that I as a homeowner need tactical nuclear weapons to defend <laughs> (laughs) myself. I also don't think that 
everybody needs to know absolutely everything that the military or the right. uh, the secret services in this country are up to all the time. I just think that's the whole point. Right, right. No, I agree with it's you. It's a tough issue. It's a really tough issue. And I I think that the, the Justice Department should have their feet held to the fire because mm-hmm. this was a pretty broad Mm-hmm. Request It wasn't targeted at all. What they were trying to do was anybody who'd called in. So if you called the AP in like a three-month period in pretty much any of their offices in the Northeast, you're now a suspect or whatever. That's, that's a bit much, and I mm-hmm. think they should be taken to task for that. But I think plugging the leak, they need to do that. It's, it's, it's a two-way street. It, where it's a tough where call. is the outrage about the decision to print such information? Because there's the right to investigate, and then there is the decision to print, which is, I think, where journalists hold their greatest power, and it is a power that of late is often abused. The rush to get things up in the digital age, to scoop everybody, is leading to some really dangerously shoddy reporting. And I think we're seeing it all over. And that I always blame the media. Maybe that could be part of the dinner party show drinking game. But I see more hope of, of quicker solutions on the media side. You know, but where is the outrage at the Associated Press for, for publishing this, this information about an embedded intelligence well, official in such I, a hostile area? I think that what's really interesting is that that's not being reported on it all like that may there may actually be outrage out there but i'm not seeing any news reports of it but why would i in just the same way that the nra is not reporting any sort of you know outrage about uh gun abuse that the so is the our efforts to enforce gun laws. The, so is the. I, I just think that we don't want the media to become the NRA of free speech. Mm-hmm. I agree. I guess that's sort of my point. That's I my agree. rash pronouncement. I agree. A second rash pronouncement. Second rash pronouncement. And I'm being told by Shea Butters that all of our party people have apparently gone to sleep <laughs> because these two segments, maybe they're just cowed by the sophistication and level of information we're putting. In. Well, the qui- the choir. <laughs> But we're going to shift gears here because we have, oh, Lord, another visit from Miss Jonelle Sams. With oh, great. Of, I yeah. think it's very topical Real given the uh, yeah. given the Pat Robertson story. Oh, yeah. okay, good. Yeah, I, I can't that, wait yeah, to Jonelle, see. Jonelle's great. talking about the big C. Excellent. It's time once again for the Dinner Party Show's homemade relationship advice with Jonelle Sams. Hey, this is Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have a relationship question, you can send it to me, Care of the Dinner Party Show's Facebook fan page, or at Jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. This week, we're going to talk about the big C, and I don't mean cancer. Our listener writes, Dear Jonelle, I am writing to you as a last resort. I have been making fun of you and your half-baked advice on the radio for months. But, Jonelle, I think I've picked up a nail on the road of life. That's deep and a little cruel, but she goes on. It all started back during the holidays. It was all fun and games and party dresses until my husband, let's call him Buttface, got a promotion. Soon after, he started attending a lot of work-related holiday events. Now, call me suspicious, but Buttface works at a funeral home. How many holiday events could he have to go to, really? I ask you. But okay, I thought, it's the holidays. He's got a new job, new responsibilities, and a nice big raise. What do I know? I know that his belt fits like an O-ring on the space shuttle, and he has more hair on his back than he does anywhere else it should be. So why should I worry? 
But New Year's came and went, and so did Buttface. If he's not at a social event or attending some conference, he's working late. It's his family's funeral home, for God's sake, and it's not like there's been an outbreak of the Black Death or something. I mean, people are dying, but it's a small town, so not that many. And one of the perks of his new job is they hired him an assistant. And I've met him, and he's a fine young man, the sort who could take whatever load Buttface wanted to dump on him. So I ask you, where has my husband gone, Jonell? Lord, forgive me, I've started spying on the man. I drop in at his workplace unexpectedly, but he's always just there with that assistant working away. Or I show up unexpectedly at the social events that are nearby, and there the two of them are smoozing and talking and handing out business cards like a couple of well-oiled undertakers, which they are. Anyway, Jonelle, I can't prove anything, but a wife knows. He hadn't climbed up on me since before Thanksgiving, not even Super Bowl Sunday, and he hadn't missed a Super Bowl since the Dolphins won and liked to broke his heart. So my question, Jonelle, is what do I do? I know something is wrong, but when I ask him, he just denies it. I can't find any proof, and he may be a butt face, but he's my butt face, and I hate the thought of losing him almost as much as I hate the idea of trying to replace him. How do I live with this, or should I just leave and start over? What would you do, Jonelle? Signed, Mrs. Buttface. Well, first, let me say that is a harsh letter, girl. But the ravages of the green-eyed monster are fearsome and destructive. Your jealousy has convinced you to believe something you can't even prove, like one of them European religions. What would I do? Well, if you hear the theme from I Love Lucy, I can't say I blame you. I know this will sound wacky, but here goes. First, I think your husband does have a mistress, and her name is Miss Work. You've had his attention all these years while he's had a job he didn't like all that much. It's a family business, so what can he do? My husband of 23 blissful years, Merle, works in his family business too. For many years, Merle was just a barber and his father was the boss. Merle was never a minute late, getting there in the morning or heading out at night. He didn't mind the work and he and his father got on just fine, but it wasn't Merle's shop. When Merle's father passed, it was the saddest and the happiest day of Merle's life. Merle loved his father, but he was sick of being a barber. My Merle wanted to be a stylist. And with his father gone, that shop went from two chairs no waiting to the nearest thing Poison Creek has to a day spa, if you don't count that geothermic mud hole out at the Mercer place on Route 1. Between the shop and his best friend Olson, I like never to see my Merle again. I am not complaining, but you are. So here's my advice. Get your husband's new assistant a girlfriend. I think that besides enjoying his promotion, your husband has found himself a friend in that new assistant. I don't know if they are as close as my Merle and his Olson, but I can't imagine that your husband will want to hang around a funeral home late at night all by himself. Look around. I'm sure you know more women than he does. Have the assistant over to dinner with you and your husband and invite some girl who's looking to settle down. She will do the rest and help you with the dishes besides. If at first you don't succeed, keep trying till you get him hooked. 
Then spend your time baking, get yourself a Curves membership, a couple of new outfits, and a new hairstyle or whatever, and wait. No man will stay at work if it looks like there's more fun to be had at home. So, make sure you reset your attitude back to the one he proposed to and not the one that wrote me this letter. And if that doesn't work, well, you'll already be in shape to start working on Buttface's replacement. Till next time, I'm Jonelle Sams with Homemade Relationship Advice. If you have relationship questions, write to Jonelle, care of The Dinner Party Show Facebook page or to jonelle at thedinnerpartyshow.com. My advice may seem half-baked, but no one ever turned down a spoonful of cookie dough. The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. The dish is served. For those of you who listen to The Dinner Party Show on a regular basis, you might recall the moment a few weeks ago when Christopher made it known on air that he would never read any of the Sleeping Beauty trilogy by A.N. Rokelar, despite the fact that this erotic, sadomasochistic take on the classic fairy tale was recently reissued with great success. The reason for Christopher's refusal? Well, A.N. Rokelar, it turns out, is just a pen name for Christopher's mother, Anne Rice. Since so many of you were taken aback by Christopher's outright refusal to read sexually explicit material written by his own mother, we here at the Dinner Party Show decided it was time for a little experiment. We expend so much energy challenging the beliefs of our listeners, we thought it was time to challenge Christopher's beliefs instead. So here it is, our first installment of a new special series, How Far Can Christopher Get Reading His Mother's Porn? Enjoy! Okay, I can do this. I can totally do this. Okay. Of course you can. Just fire up that Kindle and bring up the book. Let's not tell people I'm using a Kindle for this because we don't want bookstore owners getting bent out of shape about how all... All right, let's stop stalling instead. Uh, Okay. Fine, fine, fine. All right, all right, all right. Here goes. I've always loved the fairy tale Sleeping Beauty and found something erotic at its core. The prince awakens beauty with a... Not the preface to the new edition. Start at the first... Chapter. Okay, fine. The prince had all his young life known the story of Sleeping Beauty, cursed to sleep for a hundred years with her parents, the king and queen, and all of the court after pricking her finger on a spindle. But he did not believe it until he was inside the castle. Even the bodies of those other princes caught in the thorns of the rose vines that covered the walls had not made him believe it. They had come believing it, true enough, but he must see for himself inside the castle. Careless with grief for the death of his father and too powerful under his mother's rule for his own good, he cut these awesome vines at their roots and immediately prevented them from ensnaring him. It was not his desire to die so much as to conquer. And picking his way through the bones of those who had failed to solve the mystery, he stepped alone into the great banquet hall. The sun was high in the sky and those vines had fallen away, so the light fell in dusty shafts from the lofty windows. And all along the banquet table, the prince saw the men and women of the old court sleeping under layers of dust, their ruddy and slack faces spun over with spider webs. This is actually pretty good. Okay. He gasped to see the servants dozing against the walls, their clothing rotted to tatters. But it was true, this old tale. And, fearless as before, he went in search of the sleeping beauty who must be at the core of it. Uh Uh-oh. 
In the topmost bedchamber of the house he found her. He had stepped over sleeping chambermaids and valets, and, breathing the dust and damp of the place, he finally stood in the door of her sanctuary. Her flaxen hair lay long and straight over the deep green velvet of her bed, and her dress in loose folds revealed the rounded breasts and limbs of a young woman. He opened the shuttered windows, the sunlight flooded down on her, and approaching her, he gave a soft gasp as he touched her cheek and her teeth through her parted lips and then her tender, rounded eyelids. Her face was perfect to him, and her embroidered gown had fallen deep into the crease between her legs so that he could see the shape of her sex beneath it. Uh, He drew out his sword, with which he had cut back all the vines outside, and gently slipping the blade between her breasts, let rip easily the old fabric. Her dress was laid open to the hem, and he folded it back and looked at her. Her nipple... No, 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 that's it. Let's just stop right there. Let's stop right there. Really? Nipples? That's what's doing you in here? It's my mother, for Christ's sake. And <laughs> she's read every one of your books. I lost count of the blowjobs in a density. Oh, right. All right. All right. Fine, 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 fine. Okay. <clears throat> he cut the sleeves away, lifting her ever so gently to free the cloth, and the weight of her hair seemed to pull her head down over his arms, and her mouth opened just a little bit wider. He put his sword to one side. He removed his heavy armor. And then he lifted her again, his left arm under her shoulders, his right hand between her legs, his thumb on top of her pubis. No, 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 no. That's it. That's it. I'm not, I can't. I'm sorry. Oh, come I'm done. I'm done at pubis. That's it. I'm sorry. Well, all right. We'll try for more next week. There's not going to be a next week. We hope you've enjoyed the first installment of our new series, How Far Can Christopher Get Reading His Mother's Porn? The answer for now, not very far, apparently. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for The Dish, brought to you by your mother, Mistress of Guilt. (sighs) That's okay. Go ahead and step on my foot. Why would I need to walk anywhere? I haven't been anyplace nice in years. The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. We're never doing that again. Well, not soon. No, never again. We'll see. You know what? Yeah, I do. Let's ask the party people whether they think we should do that again. I think they will be upset that I was so... Placed outside of my comfort zone because there's a, it's, it's maybe, fine, it's fine. I read erotic stuff all the time, it, but it's different when it's your mom. I'm maybe sorry. Maybe the party people would like to have Jordan Ampersand read your mother's book. Jordan Ampersand can't read. Well, that could be it. Christopher Rice teaches Jordan Ampersand oh, to Jesus read using Christ. the Sleeping Beauty Chronicles. Okay, you know what? You know what? Can we talk about something? We always do this when I don't want to do something. Well, let's ask the people of the the party people and whatever they say, you have to do it. No, 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 no. Jordan uses that against us in order to let, because he knows they all love him for being a moron. And so he leverages that influence on the page so, against the two of us. I'm just saying, let's ask the people on okay. the page okay. whether or not the party people think that you should be doing more readings from that. I think you should do 
do like a, a limited edition um, disc of you reading all of the erotic works of Anne Rice. You know I mean, what? I, I think I'm going to go get Miss Jeannie Quinn's diaries and read them to you live on the air and see how you feel about it. Well, I'm sure we were, she has some private If we were having thoughts. trouble with people falling asleep earlier. <laughs> we woke them up with my mother's pornography. Yeah, but we could put him back to sleep with my mother's diaries, for God's sake. <laughs> Who do you think my mother is? Your mother is a lovely woman. She certainly is, but I don't know that her diaries would keep people awake for long. I don't even know they'd keep her awake Today, for long. Today, Eric called about something political again. That boy certainly has a lot to say. What did she he? say? She said it to me about our show. She said, I, I enjoy listening to your show. You all can just go on and on forever. Right? Just forever. It was lovely. And it's the truth. Yeah. And we've got something else to go on and on and on about. And this was actually a story. I saw this story all over this week because it's disgusting and infuriating. Oh, good. But something s- disgusting and infuriating. Do disgusting let's talk about that. in a psychological sense. It's not gonna it's not a new worm or a new virus that's that's you know reducing people to piles of bone. This was brought to our page by our loyal listener Samiko Salson. That's my next book, The Worms. That reduces people to a pile of bugs. Absolutely. Good. Here's the headline. Let me just read this to you. Texas judge rules lesbian couple must separate or woman could lose custody of her children. Oh, for God's sake. Oh, Texas. I, I, yeah. I, I have a lot of family Please in Texas. Please secede. But knock it off. <laughs> I mean, I love Texas, and I hate falling prey to that reductive red state, blue state argument that we got caught up in. Because, yes, there are good people in Texas, and there are good people in South Carolina, and there are good people in Tennessee. But, you know, here's the reality of this story. A judge, a conservative judge, a Reagan appointee, has read the morals clause in a uh, divorce agreement between a man and a woman. There is a morals clause in the divorce agreement which says— Is that typical? I don't know. The woman has agreed that no one who is not related to her by marriage or by blood may be in her home with her children after 9 p.m. at night. So if the guy has a girlfriend or something, he can't have her over if the kids are there? I don't know if there's a clause in the contract that applies to him. I I think this is written and applies to her. And so her the judge is saying your lesbian partner must leave your home within 30 days or you're going to lose custody of your children. Never mind that the woman's husband has been booked or was previously charged with felony stalking of the woman in question, the woman who's being given this order about her partner. Well, that's a charming story. Yeah, it is. What a heartwarming family tale yeah. from the family values people, from the people who brought you hate. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, I I will tell you, I I don't know what the outcome of the Supreme Court cases were. This, you know, in terms of equal rights around gay marriage equality. But I think this is the kind of conservative state case that we really need to call the question. If the Roberts Court doesn't step up and make the ruling about DOMA and well, I think they're going to get rid of DOMA, but make the ruling in, about marriage in general that it, it is not possible to create a different set of standards. Because te- this is how Texas got rid of the um, the, uh, the the sodomy laws for right. the country. And, and one of the things that is weird about the Prop 8 case that went before the Supreme Court is that the state of California is not defending right. the, the vote. The, so there's the nothing for the, the – there. so the Supreme Court is not put in the position of ruling that a state doesn't have – the right to do it because the state's not really asking for the right. In this case, Texas may be asking for more than they are entitled to. And Texas is the sort of state that might actually stick up for this. Right. Ex- 
exactly. The article on Think Progress ends with this paragraph, which I'll read to you. Compton can appeal Roach's decision, but her appeal will be heard by the notoriously conservative Texas court system. And ultimately, the question of whether Compton's relationship with Price is entitled to the same dignity accorded to any other living couple could rest with the United States Supreme Court. Because what's making this a morality issue is the fact that she can't marry her partner. Right. Like they say with anybody she's not married to. And since she can't marry the woman, they're being put in a place of special circumstances. That's where you get the sort of separate but equal thing that the Supreme Court can actually rule on. I'm hoping that the Supreme Court will step past that on Prop 8 and just go ahead and say that the states don't have the right. Right. But we'll see because that question wasn't actually being called in this particular court case. So... Uh, you know, it's or like a, Texas could just secede. That would yeah. that would fix the problem too. <laughs> Absolutely, and she would. could come live in California, where I hope we're going to be able to get yeah. married here soon. Although apparently Minnesota has beat us to the punch. Oh yeah, yeah. They did this week. They uh, approved uh, the governor signed a bill. The, their legislator station. Their legislators. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, I just washed my mouth and I can't do a thing with it. Um, <laughs> Their legislators have actually uh, come up with a marriage equality law. That, okay, uh, rights, wonderful. Uh, Can I the say something? Signed it into to law. So I think in the next two months. They Can will I say something to you? Now you have never been guilty of this, but I want to say it to our party people. We're going to make a requirement for our listeners. You all are all web savvy people. You wouldn't be listening to our show if you weren't, because you wouldn't be listening to us live if you weren't, because we are live on the internet and nowhere else. This is about the web. This after is about all. the web. After all. The Daily Current is a satirical website. Anything that you see on The Daily Current is not true. Like The Onion. It is like The Onion, only the editors make a concerted effort to make it look as if it's a real website. And every week, a story from The Daily Current is in my newsfeed, and someone's going ape shit about it. And this week was Michelle Bachman's supposed proclamation that she would leave the state of Minnesota if marriage equality passed in her state. Not true. She never said it. It was a totally bogus Daily Current article. But the better one, where they really got people, and they almost got me, was Ann Coulter walks out of new Star Trek film because she says too many minority characters were featured. <laughs> and the article went on in typical Onion style, and it was written to give the impression that she had walked out, that she had given comments about it, that she'd been interviewed on Shan- Sean Hannity's awful show on Fox about it. You know, it was very funny. But I just want to tell everyone, it's not true. So if you see anything from Daily Current... Not true. You don't have to go to Snopes. <laughs> exactly. It's actually not true. You actually had a rumor problem this week yourself. Oh didn't my you, God, did we have a rumor problem? It was several blogs were falsely reporting that the Tale of the Body Thief film was still in active development, we should say. Uh, that they were saying that Imagine Films was currently shopping a script to major studios, and that's not true. If you listen to the Dinner Party show here or if you follow my mother's Facebook page, you would know that she was on this show a few months ago, now or about a month ago now, and she gave the sort of Years ago. latest update. We haven't been on the air that long. Just seems um, like it. The option on the underlying material with Imagine Films has lapsed, and when it lapses, it doesn't necessarily mean it's dead in the water, but it means that there is nothing active happening on the project now. 
Uh, the blogs, uh, also one of them falsely reported that my mother and I, it named both of us, had greenlit, I'm putting in air quotes, a certain script of the material, which we did not. You can greenlight stuff, Christopher? I'll bring you some I scripts I mean to mine. tell you, yeah. Writers do not greenlight movies. Movies are greenlit by the people with the money, the production executives and all that good stuff. So, yeah, there, you know, it just, it's, it's the speed of internet reporting. It's the shoddy reporting. It's the errors that slip through. It's the fact that there's a sense that there's no well, there's time no, to really check the no story. There's no gatekeepers. There's, yeah. It's the <laughs> daily current syndrome. Nobody fact checks anything. And so stuff like one of our listeners was pointing out those horrible in that discussion that we were having a few minutes ago about the AP, the, the, the Post publishing the pictures of yeah. those kids who just happened to go to the foot race in Boston. And As if they were the suspected they were terrorists. The terrorists. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like I think there's real, like because there is nobody to say, well, do you have three sources on that? Right, absolutely. You just rush to uh, get things out there so that because you know everybody wants it in their Twitter feed first. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, speaking of our Facebook page, Buffy Peterson uh, is responding now to the Texas judge story. She says, obviously, the decision is not in the best interest of the children, but it's in the best interest of the fucking judge. Oh, yeah, that's well said. I, <laughs> you know, like it is. I am so bored with people's political views. Of Be, my life. Of my life or other people's sex organs yeah. having anything to do with legislation or court rulings or whatever. I mean, as I, if you don't believe in gay marriage, then you should not marry somebody of the same sex. Mm-hmm. Period. End of discussion. I don't care what you think about my marriage. Right. Absolutely. And I think that's the, you know, at the end of the, the, the day, that's the problem. People believing that they... That it's any of their business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're going to take a short break for a word from one of our sponsors, and then we'll be back here getting mad about stuff at the dinner party show with you. Because tonight, you, our loyal party people, our lovely party people, are the guests. Are you defined by the brand of underwear you wear? Do you believe that how you look is what makes you cool? Do you think a label makes bland, ordinary clothing into high fashion? Do you enjoy spending your time in antiquated locker rooms and dusty sports equipment sheds involved in homoerotic grab-assing in the company of a few token and possibly malnourished women who look on approvingly as you rest your head and hands on the underwear-clad genitals of your teammates? Then you should know that Abercrombie & Fitch is having their annual two-for-the-price-of-two sale on all small and medium clothing separates, gentlemen's undergarments, and foundation wear store-wide. If you buy two small or medium-sized items, it'll make you cooler than you were before. They'll still charge you the same price, but think of how much better you'll feel about yourself and how much cooler everyone else will think you are. For a limited time, if you bring in the clothes you might otherwise have donated to the poor, we'll burn them, along with the seconds we won't be donating to the needy and uncool. So, if you think you're cool, if you need to put the initials VGL in your online profiles just to make sure that people know how good-looking you are, if you think that how you look and what you wear is who you are, then give us your wallet and we'll agree with you. Abercrombie and Fitch, helping insecure people to feel better about themselves and saving our company from bankruptcy at the same time. Welcome back to the Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. Tonight, you are the guests. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. (laughs) 
I just don't want you to say your name. Well, as long as somebody's saying it. That's another fold to our drinking game. Okay, so we have this late-breaking update from five days ago. A kind of sort of maybe apology from Mike Jeffries, the CEO of Abercrombie & Fitch. Last week on the show, we and talked about— did you hear about, it's their two-for-two two sale? <laughs> since we just ran an ad from them, which makes us corrupt because we slammed them last week. Or it makes us individuals because we'll take their money and still— uh, trash them on the show. That, Absolutely. By the way, that was not, you, it's not a real ad. Not a real ad. They're not yeah. a sponsor. But we'll take anybody's money without any fear. What was it I was being accused of? Being our corporate overlord and thinking <laughs> of who I'm kowtowing to. Yeah, or, selling out. Yeah. Listen, the tagline for the show is everyone gets served. That right. includes our sponsors. Pat Robertson, Rachel Maddow, Abercrombie & Fitch. That's Everybody. the trifecta. Everybody. Okay, so the story we were covering last week is that a business magazine had reported that Abercrombie & Fitch had no plans to uh, sell or make clothes for plus-size women. And somebody dug up an interview from 2007 or 2006, I believe, where Eric is making faces at me currently. I'm just enjoying Christopher's series of very animated radio faces, faces. radio faces. And I think it's manipulative to tease the audience with talk of my faces when they can't see us because we're on a little hiatus from YouTube. Well, our um, our video guy will be back next be back Sunday, next so week. there'll be uh, pictures of... Uh, He'll be back when Alec Mappa is back. Alec Mappa's joining us. I wonder if he's going to sing anything. Anyway, I, you're anyway, in the middle of an Abercrombie. Right. Very important, hard-hitting Abercrombie Fitch story. Very Excuse important. Me. The quote from Mike Jeffries basically went like this. It was a very long piece on Salon. Dot com in which he said, our clothes are marketed to the cool, popular people with great attitudes that everybody wants to basically have sex with. And somebody, so they paired well, this duh. quote with this decision, and everybody got really upset. And they said, this is part, this is contributing to a culture of unrealistic body ideals. It's marginalizing people. It, it is a big engine that drives bullying in high school. So Mr. Jeffries responded with this apology on the Facebook page for Abercrombie and Fitch, which I will now read in its entirety. I'm sorry we don't have some music to go along with this. Do you want to play that? You could do that. I just want to fucking <laughs> dance. Music. We dance. have that. No, I don't. It's not long enough. I want to address some of my comments that have been circulating from a 2006 interview. While I believe this seven-year-old resurrected quote has been taken out of context, allow me to state here that the fact that it's seven years old and that it's been resurrected doesn't make any statement about the content of the quote itself. But anyway, he sincerely regrets, I sincerely regret, he goes on to say, that my choice of words was interpreted in a manner that has caused offense. This is like the judo backflip of manipulative fake apologies. A&F is an aspirational brand. That, like most specialty apparel brands, targets its marketing at a particular segment of customers. Notice it's marketing at a particular segment of customers, not its clothes, okay? So big shift on that one. However, we care about the broader communities in which we operate and are strongly committed to diversity and inclusion, okay? We hire good people who share these values, it doesn't say shirtless values, but uh, it should. We are completely opposed to any discrimination, bullying, derogatory characterizations, or other antisocial behavior based on race, gender, body type, or other individual characteristics. So it's the sort of corporate equivalent of saying, well, I'm really sorry you feel that way. <laughs> but we're going to do whatever the fuck we want. Right. <laughs> it's the abusive clothing relationship that we've all been looking for. 
I need a designer who disrespects me and treats me like crap. It's just the only thing interesting in this entire statement, the only thing worth talking about is that he says, we target our marketing at a particular segment of customers, and he's stepped back from that ridiculous statement, which is our clothes are designed for... The, the great popular kids with a great designed. attitude. I love that he believes his clothes are yeah. designed. Our underwear, our jockey shorts are designed for, like, really, they're jockey shorts, really. Yeah. They're designed to be, you know, underwear. By the way, for whoever it was who asked, uh, boxer briefs for me. Well, I'm not answering that question. Briefs. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Um, so anyway, that is the, the I, that to me takes the cake of bullshit apologies. Maybe we should start a running series of the corporate bullshit apologies. Bullshit apologies. Because really, like, we, we don't... The people we at BP feel just terrible that we dumped five billion gal- uh, gallons of oil into the Gulf of Mexico. We're so sorry that everyone is so upset and we that really we poisoned are. all and your seafood and believe, wiped out your state. We don't believe in poisoning seafood. Okay, I get it. Not many people do believe in poisoning seafood it's about taking responsibility for an error or a mistake and it's in it and out that's what's out of context is his statement of belief in the midst of an indictment of his behavior right, it's fine to say that so what yeah. is he actually doing yeah i, I just i, I to think support you know plus sized yeah customers on the on the other side of that issue there was a viral video this week of a young man who went out and distributed abercrombie and fitch clothing to homeless people okay which when I first heard about it, it sounded kind of, okay, interesting. And then I thought, that's kind of an abuse of homeless people. Like, I get that you're— Well, it's not cold weather, so— Yeah. I mean, like, maybe food. I don't know. You Like, giving them Abercrombie and Fitch clothing to make a point when they're sitting out on the street? I I'm sure that they could use it. A, I think they're probably not listening to the show. And B, <laughs> I, I don't you care know, I'm sure they're the glad show. to have clean clothes. Yeah. Or, but— yeah, it's an odd... Like, but a lot of the homeless people I saw in the video were, were rushing past him, sort of like you would rush past someone who's like, do you want to learn more about whales? You know, on the street corner. Who's the, the last girl on the street? Are you nice people? <laughs> yes. That's, that was her pitch. The yeah. last time we ran into one of those survey people on the street and we really didn't have time to talk to them. It was, are you nice people? <laughs> yes, we are, but we're also late people. So We are. Good luck with that, whatever the hell it is you're doing. We are are we are well i think it's time for another installment of our very special series world's worst pitch meeting oh good i have to pee something and, fierce. Well, and i went once before be, so that's two drinking maybe opportunities you won't want to pee right now when i tell you that this is also the when worlds collide edition of world's worst pitch meeting because i'm being told jordan ampersand is actually the one pitching a project well at least it's not me this week okay you know what go to i'm the off the hook just go to the bathroom fine just go Okay, guys, come on in. You must be... Jordan Ampersand. Right, the guy who landed the big Anne Rice interview for that new internet radio show. Who's Anne Rice? Um, you're going to interview her on the dinner party show, aren't you? I hope you are. That's actually the only thing that got you this meeting. Oh, that. No, that's Christopher's mom. She wrote Twilight. <laughs> Tragic. Trashy. Tragic. Trashy. <laughs> All right, well... Who's your uh, little friend here? That's my bestie, Fitzpatrick. He's also my collaborator on my amazing movie idea that I'm here to talk about today. Mm, He's also uh, turning my desk lamp over and putting some kind of bearskin cap over it. Can he 
stop that, please? Well, actually, no, he can't. Because, see, actually, that's not a bearskin cap. That's a grocery bag covered in yak hair, which he says stabilizes my energy fields. See, Fitzpatrick is also my design director, which means he reconfigures any space I'm going to be in for longer than an hour. Mm -hmm. You should have seen what he was able to do at the free clinic. Tell him to sit down or the meeting's over. Fitzpatrick, maybe not with the glow stick sculpture of Diana Ross right now. (laughs) Will Ocean Zebras be joining us in the snow? Is he high? Always. Anyway, we are here because you are a big deal producer who makes movies that tons of people want to see. So you should totally make my movie because tons of people are going to want to see it. Well, a little confidence is always a good thing. Seriously, ask anyone. I'm amazing. And the guy who's chewing on my sofa right now? I don't taste dignity. Just fire lemons in the hair of a xylophone. (laughs) Haha, I think he's making a casting couch joke. I think he's drooling. As you can see, he's the eccentric side of our collaboration. And what side are you? The fun and fabulous side. Now, do you want to hear our movie idea or not? The sooner the better, kid. Okay, so there's this fun and fabulous guy who lives in West Hollywood. Mm -hmm. Everyone either loves him or wants to be him, and they're like, oh my God, you should get a blog, but you can't spell. So anyway, he gets a job at this totally cool fashion boutique on Melrose, only it's owned by a total cunt. All right, let's watch the language. Sorry, it's owned by a total twat. Let's stop demeaning women in our pitch, okay? Whatever, I'm allowed to say shitty things about women. I'm practically a girl. Not in my office. Um, yeah, no, I am like everywhere I go. Pitch your movie in the next 30 seconds where I'm throwing you and your sofa-munching friend out of the office. Okay, fine, big ball. So the totally not nice woman who owns the boutique fires our amazing hero for, like, no reason, but she alleges that there was some kind of shenanigans with the mannequins after hours that supposedly the hero was involved in, but the hero insists that there are other ways all the store mannequins got made up weird and rearranged, besides one employee's totally fun recreations of scenes from Mannequin 2 on the move with Christy Swanson and Meshach Taylor. I see. So he's fired, and she doesn't care, and she doesn't listen, and she's like, nobody should have made a sequel to Mannequin anyway because the first one was stupid, so whatever. So he's like, I've had enough, and he leaves and she's all like, I'm glad you're leaving because I fired you like 30 minutes ago, so there. Okay, so what happens in this movie is an idiot gets fired. No, that's just the first part. The second part is where Fitzpatrick comes in. Are you ready, Fitzpatrick? Yes. Then go. Then the Dog Kings will Open the curtain, women, and the dancing jewels will fall tumbly tumbly all over the elephant square dancers and their Sasquatch overlords. The end. Oh, fuck me. We're open to that, too, if it gets us greenlit. But isn't it fun that we already have the title? There was a title in there? Yes. Shenanigans with Mannequins. Like all good movies, it begins with what happened to me, and then the second half is just like, who gives a shit? Let's animate it like Pixar. I seem to remember Argo being just like that. Oh, my God. Argo sucked. It was two hours of people walking quickly and answering phones. Our movie has mannequins and elephant square dancers. Yeah. What exactly are elephant square dancers? Fitzpatrick, jump in here. Oh. Oh, oh, shh, he's sleeping. He's not sleeping. How do you know? Because if he was sleeping, he would be breathing. Fitzpatrick, you totally overdosed in our pitch meeting. This isn't cool. Um, By any chance, do you have a wheelchair and an EpiPen? No, but we've got a great security guard. I'm calling him right now. Thank you. Ask them if they can bring a town car and not an SUV. 
for me. A deranged drug addict just died in my office during the worst pitch I've ever heard. Join the club. What? Like he's the first drug addict you've ever met in Hollywood? Are you a dragon? Fitzpatrick, you're better. I think our pitch went awesome. You're listening to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and Eric Shaw Quinn. And now it's time for dessert. Brought to you by your sister's new husband who's had way too much wine. I mean, everybody's cheated at least once, right? I, I, I mean, am I right? The Dinner Party Show. Keep listening if you've got the stomach for it. I love that song. Well, let me do it. Let me do it the right way. Welcome back to The Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice and... Eric Shaw Quinn. I let you say your own name for the first time tonight. But you say, welcome back to the Dinner Party Show. I'm Christopher Rice. And I say, and I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Oh, oh. That's so how I we've done it for can't. six months. When? I just can't. Have we really been on the air for six months? Um, probably a little longer. I feel like I've been in this chair for six months, freezing with this air conditioning that we've turned you all You have the, the remote control. Do I? I'm turning it up. I'm turning up the air conditioning here at the dinner party show. That's the sound of the air conditioning being turned up here at the dinner party show. You, you heard it here first, live. Absolutely. This has been another edition of You're the Guest, and you all have been the guest this evening, our beloved party people on our Facebook page, and you've been leaving questions and comments all week long. Anthony Adams has this to say, and it's mainly directed at you, Eric Sharquin. <laughs> you loudmouth bitch. I wish you would shut up and get <laughs> off my radio. Why don't quiet and bring on more of the funny talking people? Uh, and Anthony says, I can't make the live cast. Well then, fuck oh, you, Anthony. Oh, Anthony, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, kidding. I hope you're enjoying the recording. I'm totally kidding, Anthony. We love you. I just made a joke at your expense. But he does write, I can't make the live well, cast. Well, he's not listening, so. But I must give Eric Shaw Quinn my love and adoration. Aww. His sketches with Jordan always Ugh. fill me with pride and total unadulterated joy because even really? his social commentary and humor combined, it's all true. It is true. Your hair is helicopter entrapment. We all know Jordans, and if we told them the same things the same way, we could possibly change the world. Or maybe at least get them to be quiet. Maybe so. Can can the world be a little quieter (laughs) with Eric Shaw Quinn? If everybody could just hold it down. Absolutely. Justin Boyer left a rather interesting and detailed question about Cormac McCarthy's novel The Road. I think he was partially inspired by an edition of audiobook bestsellers we did a while ago called from a book called The Everbreaking Heart of the Falling Angels. One of our favorites. Mm-hmm. And that author was said to be a cross between Cormac McCarthy and the uncle you can never get to stop talking about Vietnam. Here's his question. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised by the accuracy of your parody, I don't know what you mean, sir, of America's favorite contemporary writer, Okay, Cormac McCarthy. I'm a fan. I'm not sure I'd call him America's favorite contemporary writer. I think that goes to Nora Roberts. If you somehow <laughs> found yourself trapped within the... sales. <laughs> James Patterson and Nora Roberts, for sure. Right. If you somehow find yourself trapped within the nightmarish world of The Road, or as I should say, Oprah Book Club, The Road pick, The Road, where the world has become ridden with cannibals, would you have made the same prudent decision of committing suicide, like the only female character within the whole story, the father's wife? 
That was a little, little bit of a leading question there by calling it a prudent decision. Then he goes on to ask, or would you have continued the delusional odyssey that the father forced his son to believe, even against the improbable odds that everyone in a Cormac McCarthy story is most likely a moral degenerate? If anything, this well. crazy question, <laughs> I'm not sure it's crazy, but it is a bit leading. Crazy question might provide inspiration for yet another satirical segment about his work. It was a real book. I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah, I... You know, I will say that I – what's the word? Delusional? Odyssey. A delusional – I think that life is a delusional odyssey. Whether, Do tell. Whether or not there has been – I think that was sort of the point – to me, that's the point I got out of the book. I actually sent a copy of the book to my father for Father's Day because that was what I got out of the book, that fathers pass along to sons or we as – you know, we pass along to our children, to each new generation – carrying the torch and facing the delusional odyssey that life is. Because, you know, uh, tell me what's going to happen tomorrow. Any idea? Can you tell me what the temperature is going to be? Will we be hit by a meteorite? Will there be a nuclear explosion? Mm -hmm. Will there be a scandal? Will the currency collapse? Mm -hmm. Will the idiots on Wall Street wreck our economy again? Like, I don't know what's going to happen next. And and yet I continue to go on. That's sort of the point of life. And to me, that's what I took away from right. from the road was this this sort of passing the torch from father to son, but from one generation to the next. I don't think it's about sex so much as about just simply, you know, giving each new generation the courage to go on and face the complete random, hot and cold, random bullshit that is each breaking day. Mm-hmm. You know, what fresh hell is this? Right. Some days are great, but a lot of days are like, wow, I wish somebody had told me I would have just stayed in the house. Mm-hmm. You know what? I, 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 obviously, we're not li- living with cannibalism and in a world where everything has died, but we are always dealing with irrational and uh, bullshit. And uh, people hate it when I say this, but it's my radio show. It's our radio show, so I'm going to keep saying it. The road has a lot in common with zombie stories. And I know you have your own opinions about zombie stories, but when they're at their best, they ask the same question of the reader the road asked of us, which was, why do you go on? Question mark. When everything else has been stripped away and broken down, Literally, what is your reason for living? And I think when The Walking Dead was at its best, which is not currently, in my opinion, it was answering that question in every episode. Why do you continue to care for other people if everyone's prospects seem so bleak or if everyone can't be trusted from the outside? And I honestly think you can ask that question any day of the week. I don't think you have to wait for zombie apocalypse. How do you continue to go on? Because life is... I, it always strikes me as to how I, I, there's some glimpses of it in looking at historical fiction when they make it in movies and of, mm-hmm. of how completely bleak life really is. I watched Beasts of the Southern Wild last mm. night, which I had mixed feelings about. But, you know, this sort of living in that sort of garbage heap that those people were doing, like I, I live in a, a very illusory kind of construct that I call life that is very sort of protected from – the chaos and disorder, that that vast village or it's not really a village, city in India mm-hmm. where those people literally live in this sort of garbage dump mm-hmm. right. um, together. They, they, they kind of glimpsed it in the Slumdog Millionaire thing. But life is really, for most people in the world who aren't lucky enough to be living in this wonderful country – pretty challenging right for except for a very small group of people in the world life is and even for us until relatively recently pre-electricity pre-running water pre-hot water hot and cold running water pre
pre um Mm-hmm. Uh, not amphetamines. That's although, <laughs> although that certainly had its own impact. I'm thinking of antibiotics, um, <laughs> pre-antibiotics, pre-crystal amphetamines, yeah. and pre-antibiotics. Like life has only recently come to be even sort of this daily expectation of right. Can I locate my joy? Yeah. You know, like, can I locate my next meal has been the big question and continues to be for a lot of people, but has only recently become kind of a foregone conclusion. And mm-hmm. I think it's easy to think that life is actually this incredibly sheltered bubble that we have made for ourselves right. here, when in fact it is really more of a struggle at any level. So I know that's a long answer to that but question, but it, you, that's, that's what I loved about the road. Because you loved I that loved the road. I literally read it in one sitting. Yeah. I was so, I could not stop reading that right. book. Right. I loved it. But it was because it was asking this question in that wonderful, weird sort of world that he created about my day-to-day life. How do I go on? How do I not jump off the balcony one day at a time when people are, when Amazon is still questioning my right to have an affiliates account <laughs> or when, right. we you know. We still not been allowed million, back a, into the a, Amazon a affiliates thousand, program. A thousand tiny, you know, death by a thousand cuts, mm-hmm. you know, the day-to-day life of everyone in the world. It's all, Well, you know, and also I think what really shuts that conversation down when it should be getting started is everyone else's attitude that everyone else shouldn't have feelings about the things that are happening to them. It's it's so easy to tell someone else to get over it. You know, it's so easy to tell someone else, well, that's not a real cut. You should hear about what happened to me. Well, they could practically write a whole book about what happened to me. I have to tell that story. We were in a restaurant once where the waitress came up and found out, or we revealed that we were writers, and she said, well, you should write a book about what happened to me. And we went, oh, okay, well, what happened to you? And she said, I tried to be an actress in New York. And that was it. That was all that had happened to her. But we were supposed to write a book about that, apparently. Yeah, and that line, that wonderful line is from uh, the original anti-mame. Is it? Glo- Little Glory says, well, you could practically write a whole b- a book about what happened to me. It was the very semi-finals. <laughs> well, the characters in the road definitely merited having a book written about them. It was it was quite a read. Well, the struggle uh, yeah, absolutely. in the road. I don't want to overlook Christiana. Christiana? Who I almost called Christina, Christiana Schiller, who's a very loyal listener, says if you guys were on a well, they plane, hadn't said anything, no one would have known because you called her Christiana. Well, they, she would have known, and we want to. This is about our party people, isn't it? If they're still listening, uh, if you guys were on a plane and it crashed onto a mysterious and uninhabited island, who would you want to be on the island with, and who would you rather not be stuck on the island with? Well, you'd have to be there because I, I assume that we wouldn't be able to text or call each other on the phone. <laughs> I don't know that I could stand to, like, see things on the island without being able to talk to you about them. I'm sorry. I, I hate to wish a plane crash on you, but but I would I would kind of – it would be it would drive me crazy, you know. Oh, my God, they are cannibals. I should I, – I can't send Christopher – tweet Christopher a picture of these. That well, would drive I me crazy. Nothing. So you'd have to be I'd, there. And then we'd use the GPS positioning on your phone to find – you in that instance and we would be fine but no I'm there so you've destroyed your only chance at rescue this is great you could, you could get you could also you're also tall enough that you could actually pick fruit off the bigger yeah. trees so that would be really helpful who else who would we not I wouldn't want anybody there who was about you know those people that you can't travel with you know those people who are constantly <laughs> who 
always are, it's your fault that it's raining while we're trying to go to dinner in this strange city and it's hard to find it, but it's raining. That's not so me. They, so That's they, not no, me. No, no we're I'm actually good. really good travel yeah. companions, but you can, it is the acid test for I friendship. Have, I have you a great all, strategy for traveling with you. you. All it's know called who they do are. what Eric says. Right. You're just, everybody's happier that way. But that people who are constantly in that state of like, let's blame, like, not unlike the road, traveling is a series of mishaps and yes. screwed up, <laughs> screwed up reservations. Our journey to Italy was positively apocalyptic. It, it was really, insane. it was really lovely. The best moment, my oh, favorite moment, and the whole thing was oh, in the, the train station in Rome. Oh. We had gone to the wrong train initially, uh-huh. and so we went literally running through this gigantic train station, dragging and our luggage. And my backpack came open while we were running. That was just part of the story. But go on. Which was and nothing fell out, but it it was my really, dignity fell out. Yeah, it was really anyway. So we finally we got on the train. We were on the right train, and we were hot and sweaty and exhausted. <laughs> and I could see right out the window there was a vending machine selling ice water. And I said, "I'm going to go get us uh, bottles of water. Would you like one?" And Christopher looked at me and said, "If you get off of this train, <laughs> I will." kill you. I think he was just... And in- he got off the train and then he came back on with water and sang, Mentos fresh and full of life! <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's give a shout out to Ronan Bangus. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. He woke up early in the Philippines to listen to our show. It's going on 10 a.m. there. Thank you, Ronan. That is uh, quite uh, a distance. And John Matson, who's a very loyal listener, always comments, is uh, listening from Australia, which is also very far away from where we are here on the That's Sunset one, Strip. Isn't that as far as you can fly on an airplane without crashing or something? What's yeah. your statistic I about the longest of- air? No, I think that's actually Hawaii is the longest plane flight where you are completely out of reach of any land mass if something goes wrong, like if in between here and Hawaii, good luck, pal. <laughs> all the other flights, all the other flights that you take, you, yeah, no, pleasant thought. There's a lot more than snakes on your plane. The on Today that Show trip. will be in Hawaii tomorrow, so good luck, Matt and Savannah. <laughs> good luck, girls. No, it's really uh, all your other plane trips, even the long ones, uh, to even like places like Australia or to Europe, you are routed in a specific way that has to do with the type of plane you're on and the amount of time it would take that plane to land with the engine power that it has. So even when you're flying to Europe, you're following a trajectory closer to what uh, ships would follow when they would make the passing. They would go up and then down because that's also better from a distance point of view. How did you start me on plane trivia? Oh, we were talking about the Philippines How far it is to Australia. Yeah, no, Australia you pass over. Uh, you pass over some islands, I think, on the way, but Hawaii is one of those. How islands. many hours is the flight to 14 Australia? Fourteen and a half. Okay, that's it. That that was the full question. So no, the answer is fourteen. And no, a half. it wasn't the full question. Talitha Wagner is begging for a shout out. Talitha. Ah! What are you willing to do for the shout out, Talitha? Are you going to spread the gospel of the dinner party show? We are trying to start a new religion here. Yeah, it's say not something. Working, con- but say something starting. controversial about the government, Talitha. Absolutely. Go for it, girl. Uh, John Matson says, uh, "Live your life in such a way that the Westboro Baptist Church will protest your funeral." Oh, Amen. Sister. That's so sweet. Amen. I figured they wouldn't come within a thousand miles of my funeral. <laughs> I figured they wouldn't even think it would be worth it. There would be no no one there they could possibly save. Yeah, absolutely. 
Well, we're sort of wrapping up the dessert portion of the evening, um, but we do want to cover something that was in the news that actually was discussed here on the Dinner Party Show All about right. a, a few months ago. Congratulations. Happy birthday. It was Chad's birthday this week. Chad but- Hodge, who created the Playboy Club, a TV writer who was a guest on the show along with his friend Laura Benanti a few months ago. Benanti. Absolutely. He, uh, when he was here, he discussed a screenplay that he had written, The Real Anita Bryant, which was about the hateful Anita Bryant. Oh, my Bryant. God, the boogeyman of my youth. And he actually went and interviewed, stayed with her at the house. I think the, that the interview is on the, the it's, page. It's, it's, on, it's the on the Facebook page currently. And then there are the, more pieces of it on our YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah. So you can, if you want to hear the whole thing, you can go back and sort of piece it together. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're looking for a challenging interview this afternoon, but but the point is he was talking about this project. Well, there's been big news about the project this week. Absolutely. He originally wrote it for HBO and producer Darren Starr, and that fell through. And it looks like... Uh, uh, Rob Epstein, I always confuse their names. I believe they're a couple, and they made the documentary The Life and Times of Harvey Milk. Epstein is one of the last names, Rob Epstein. They're going to produce it as a feature called The Real Anita Bryant, and they have cast in the role of Anita Bryant, Uma Thurman. I think that's actually a pretty good choice because she was a singer mm-hmm. of some note. She wasn't an amazing singer and a beauty queen. She was, you know, she was Absolutely. she was a looker. She was not a bad she was not bad to look at. She was just hard to hear. Absolutely. Well, it's time for another installment of our special ongoing series, Best Served Warm, and then we'll be back here to wrap things up on the dinner party show. And now, in keeping with the Dinner Party Show's commitment to community enrichment, it's time for another in our ongoing series of public service announcements featuring the people who make the Dinner Party Show what it is. Best served warm. Good evening, I'm Buzz Kilton, the Dinner Party Show's Bay Area culture reporter. Many of you have written asking me how you can prepare yourself for the eruption of misogyny we call the summer movie season. We are already being deluged by the marketing for numerous overproduced, ridiculously expensive tales of white men vanquishing those who simply disagree with them over the fates of various galaxies. How can we guard our intellects and our spirits against this annual assault? Well, I submit to you, dear listeners, that sometimes, not always, but sometimes, a filmmaker can possess an agenda besides the cultural obliteration of all groups of which he is not himself a member. It's not often, but it can happen. And when it does, there is often more than one meaning at work in his film, and in the title of his film as well. Two cases in point, Iron Man 3 and the forthcoming Man of Steel. Are these merely childish assertions to the non-existent supremacy of male physical strength, or are they, rather, subtle attempts to call attention to the fact that if male strength were truly superior to begin with, would it actually require a coating of iron or steel? Hmm. This is all worth considering, as is the idea that a Hollywood film can sometimes be about more than one thing. But usually, it's only two things, and one of them will destroy your integrity and your soul and your mind. I'm Buzz Kilton, 
and this is best served warm. Quick question, Eric Shaw Quinn. Who is worse, Anita Bryant or Michelle Bachman? John Matson on our page wants to know. Anita Bryant. Why? I, I, Michelle is an idiot and a horrible person and very destructive, but Anita was actively, Anita was like George Wallace. She was actively going after the rights of gay people. She was working, uh, you know, mm-hmm. consensus building, working for legislation, campaigning to have. In Dade, at least locally, in Dade County, and, and in I Florida. believe the Briggs Initiative. She was involved she was, in the fight around she was that, and really, that was California. She was, was really it not? that was really personal. She yeah. wasn't just capitalizing or riding some yeah. wave. I, I think Michelle is a, an idiot and a political um, opportunist, but but I don't see her as activating the causes that right, she's right. for. But 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 Anita was the problem with Anita was that she very much and Chad said the same thing. She hasn't really changed. She really believed in what she was doing. And right. so that can be a frightful combination. Absolutely. Also, hello to Canada. We're apparently also being heard in Canada. We are being listened the to around the world. International dinner party. The international le dinner party. Well we are. We have a guest in the studio again next week. Woohoo! Alec Mappa is returning to the show. What's he going to sing this time? I don't know. He'll sing probably anything we ask him to, as oh long as you ask God. nicely. As long as you ask. Let's nicely. ask him, and so that we can have the music, so he can sing. I love it when Betty Davis sings. What sings is Betty going to sing? Miley Cyrus. Well, as she I, did last she did time. last time. Now Betty has to sing something else. Absolutely, and we have our YouTube operation up and running for next week, and, and we he's didn't gotten, when he was on the show previously, so, so we can get him. There'll be to a do little it. bit yeah. more to it this time, and he has a new show starting he up does. soon. Storyville is a reality series in which he goes around to a series of small towns and helps them to put on a theatrical production. I believe it's maybe a talent show. Yeah, he mentioned yeah. it when he was with us last time, so we'll have more stories about that. And Absolutely. I'm not sure when it's starting, but I'm sure I'm Alec, maybe Alex will know. He'll have all of the information. And Shay might even have a little bit of that information we, this coming up this we week. We tell Shay what he needs to know. Well, he, you know, finds stuff out. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, this has been another wonderful episode of The Dinner Party Show. Do the chimes one more time. Everybody have Everybody a drink have on Everybody have us. a drink. Drink, 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 drink up. This is Martini Chimes. This is Flaming Dr. Pepper Chimes. And then we'll do instant mar- uh, instant margaritas time. Instant, well, what about instant where margaritas? you pour the tequila and oh. then touch it into your mouth at the same time. Oh, you're so salt of the earth, Eric. Oh, I really am. Just a wild and rapacious drunk. You <laughs> really are. Well, we'll be back next week if we haven't drunk ourselves to death, or if you all haven't, you know, complained to our service provider. <laughs> <laughs> yes, if somebody besides Amazon bans yeah, right? us, maybe Jesus we won't be Christ. here next week. We'll yeah, and if you have any pull with Amazon, write to them <laughs> and ask them to get, let us back in. We didn't do anything wrong. We're really sorry. We mean it this time. Maybe they're friends with somebody involved with Da Vinci's Demons. Maybe it's Maybe Da Vinci's so. Demons. <laughs> da Vinci's Demons. We didn't talk about that at all this week. We'll take a break well, from that. What's to but say? We'll be back with another update next Spoiler week. Spoiler alert. Still Spoiler. sucks. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Well, this has been the Dinner Party Show with Christopher Rice. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw. Quinn. And we did that right. Excuse me. I did that correctly. Except for the he first said his name twice. Evening. So I'm Eric Shaw Quinn you know, a second I, I, time. I'm just going to pull the curtain before this gets ugly. Thanks right. for listening. Thanks for listening.
I've been to a marvelous party. 